Can atheism help me to make sense of the coronavirus crisis? Is this pandemic uh, a part of the Earth's revenge on mankind for her abuses? And if there is a good God, how can he have allowed this crisis? Welcome to the conversation. You're listening to Filter. Hey guys, my name is Aaron Champ and welcome to Filter. This is a podcast where we seek to equip you with biblical clarity to live in our chaotic world. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. We are in part two of a series on the question of if God is good, how could he have allowed coronavirus? In part one of the series, in the previous episode, what I did was just basically give an introduction to this issue, talking about what makes the coronavirus crisis quite unique in how we have been experiencing it in our world, and then introducing the issue of the problem of evil. Or in the case of the coronavirus crisis, it's really an issue of the problem of pain, the problem of tragedy that we are dealing with, because we talked about those two different forms of evil, or what we mean by evil and the problem of evil. And so if you haven't listened to that episode, let me encourage you to just go ahead and pause this one, go back, get caught up. It's a pretty short episode, and then jump back into this one so you can be Uh, following along and tracking with us here uh, because this is part two in our series on this question. What I'm doing in part two is I am examining the primary worldview options that we have uh, in order to uh, evaluate them and ask what worldview helps us to make the most sense out of this crisis. What worldview helps us to make the most sense out of pain, evil, and suffering in general? Because we need a worldview that gives us a satisfying answer to these questions so that we can survive and perhaps even thrive and grow through the experience of pain and even through a crisis such as a global pandemic. Let me begin with just a really short introduction to worldview. Maybe for some of our listeners and viewers, this uh, this term is new for you. So really quick introduction before I uh, start examining the worldview options. So first of all, a worldview is a set of beliefs that you use to interpret and interact with the reality around you. Very often, the way that people um, uh, illustrate what a worldview means is it's like a set of glasses that you wear. And this set of glasses that you put on is something that helps you to uh, interpret and understand it colors uh, the world that you see around you. It's something that uh, that filters the world that you see to understand it and respond to it in a certain way, hence the name of our show, right? Because this show is about Christian worldview. Um, and so a worldview is something that you find um, that has that most of the time has three major parts to it. The first part of a worldview is what it says about creation or its answers to the question of where did we come from, where did reality come from? Like, where did all this come from? And what is it supposed to be like? Every worldview has an answer to that question. The second one is uh, what some people call fall or the answer to the question of uh, what is the problem with the world? And so every worldview is going to say, here's where everything came from. Here's our origin, what uh, the world is supposed to be like, and here's the problem with the world. And so these are the foundations that you start to get for what that worldview says about morality and ethics and everything else. And then the last or third question is, what is the solution to the problem? So where do we come from? What's the problem with the world? And then what is the solution to the problem? 
every worldview is going to uh, have somewhat of an answer to these three questions. And then that provides the basis for then understanding and interpreting everything you see in the world. Uh, Everything from current events, even to art, even to um, uh, fictional stories and tales, how you evaluate them and understand them, apply them to your life. It is what helps you to understand and determine what your morality is, ethics, and everything else. Here's the thing, though, when we understand, when we talk about worldview, just to lay this out. Every individual is unique, okay? So every individual is unique and will subscribe to one worldview to uh, one degree. uh, They'll subscribe to one worldview to a greater or lesser degree. What I mean by that is that most of the time what people have, and maybe what you have, if this is a new uh, idea for you and you start to dig into this topic, what people have most often in their mind is somewhat of an amalgamation of different worldviews. Um, so maybe pulling some beliefs from this worldview, from that one together and bringing them all together in their minds. Um, but there might be a primary worldview that this, this person claims to follow. This is where uh, you answer the question um, like I am a Christian or I am an atheist or I am a Buddhist or I'm a Muslim. That's your primary worldview. But in reality, you might be operating according to the answers of some other worldviews. But intellectual integrity means that we need to stay consistent with our worldview of choice. So if you're a Christian, you need to identify where am I not believing and following the Christian worldview, come into alignment with that. If you're an atheist, then you also need to, uh, for the sake of intellectual integrity and consistently consistently uh, explore what your worldview actually says about a multitude of topics um, to evaluate its truthfulness, and if you determine it is true, to align your belief and life with it. So, with that really, really fast introduction into worldview, let me jump into um, what I'm going to say is the insufficiency of non-Christian worldviews for the issue of the problem of evil and what is specifically our topic, the coronavirus pandemic. Um, scholars place all worldviews that we can, that we can see in our life uh, into three broad families of worldviews. And so because of the amount of time that we have, I'm going to deal with this in these three families of worldviews, which means that for some of you, if I am discussing your worldview, you might see it as somewhat of a uh, simplistic treatment. I apologize for that. I'm just going to do the best that I can in addressing these three families in the amount of time that I have. And so these three families of worldviews that generally wherever you are, you'll find yourself landing into one of these is the theistic worldview, the pantheistic worldview, and then a non-theistic worldview. And so a theistic, the theistic family of worldviews is made up primarily of the three great monotheistic religions. So the the family of worldviews that we call theistic is generally the uh, worldviews of Judaism, of Christianity, and of Islam. Now, the reason we call it a family of worldviews is because they are very similar, but of course, very individual and unique in their uh, in their details, in their worldviews, and in uh, everything else. I'm going to be dealing with the theistic worldviews primarily in the next episode. So in this one, what I'm going to talk about is the pantheistic and non-theistic. So a pantheistic worldview or this family of worldviews, which um, are more generally uh, religions that are having some kind of an Eastern origin, such as Buddhism, 
Hinduism, Taoism, um, uh, New Age religions that we find, uh, or New Age spiritualities that we see in Western society, uh, very often would fall into some sort of a pantheistic worldview. But what this worldview does is it blends together God and the world to make everything divine. So to contrast that with the theistic worldview, the theistic worldview says that there's the world, there's reality, and then there is God. The two are not the same. There is the um, the divine and then the non-divine. There is the imminent world and then there is transcendence. Pantheism takes the imminent world and transcendence takes the divine and the natural world, brings it all together to make everything divine. So in pantheism, uh, everything in reality and everyone is a part of the divine. Here's how pantheistic worldviews respond to suffering. Here's their answer to suffering. Like I said before, there's going to be a simple treatment, but I hope to at least not uh, falsely portray um, these worldviews. So pantheistic worldviews would respond to suffering primarily in one of two ways. And the first way is through the doctrine of karma. Karma is a doctrine that says all of the blessings or uh, calamities or cursings that you experience in your life are based upon some behavior. Karma is a uh, moral system of cause and effect where if you experience some sort of a blessing, that is the effect of a cause of you uh, having done something good either in this life or in some iterations of this belief in a previous life because you're living the reincarnation of a previous life. Uh, on the flip side, that goes the same for curse, cursings and calamities and sufferings. If you're experiencing suffering of some sort, it is because that is a punishment for you. That is karma um, uh, cleansing you, in a sense, through your suffering for the wrongdoing you have done in your life or in a previous life that you had lived. And so within this system of moral cause and effect, uh, everything you experience is your due blessing or punishment for something that you have done. And if you were outside of that, so let's say you are, you are witnessing someone who is experiencing suffering due to karma. What that says to you, if you're going to truly follow this doctrine, is that there is no reason and there is no imperative upon you to relieve that person from suffering because what you're doing is unnecessarily breaking the cycle of karma right karma is is uh is cursing that person for something wrong they have done to sort of uh through their their suffering provide them with somewhat of an atonement if we might use that word and so if that person is going so if you see someone who is suffering from an illness or suffering through a, a financial calamity or suffering whatever way, why would I stop that process? Why would I halt karma from doing what it's supposed to do um, in processing that person's uh, blessings and cursings? And so this is the first part of a pantheistic worldview, worldview's response to suffering, that whenever people suffer, it is because of karma. The second uh, major response would be through saying that it is all illusory, that pain is an illusion and that the only way that you can be relieved of it is to be enlightened out of that illusion. So these are the two primary responses of pantheism to suffering. Um, let me just throw in there one, one more, um, which is what I call the pantheistic cousin 
which is paganistic environmentalism. And so you, you see this in our culture in a variety of different ways. And I think it's especially relevant to this topic of coronavirus because you see various people in media and online and, and everywhere and, and in various places bringing up this view, which is a very paganistic take on environmentalism, where they say that the suffering that we are enduring from the natural world or the suffering that we're enduring from the coronavirus they claim is actually the earth punishing us for our abuse of her. So karma, the, the belief that pain is an illusion, or the somewhat pantheistic, paganistic, environmentalist belief that uh, something such as the coronavirus is Mother Nature taking out her revenge upon us for our sins against her. Let me give you a Christian response to this uh, family of worldviews answers. These do not work for several reasons. The first one is this. The first reason that an idea such as, uh, especially karma, or the idea that it is a revenge against us from, uh, from Mother Earth, this does not work because the Earth is not a moral agent. The Earth is not a moral agent. As I said in the first episode, whenever we were clarifying what we meant by the problem of evil, whenever we look around the world and we see a we see a predator mauling in a brutal fashion its prey, whether it's a lion or or something else that is uh, destroying its prey. Whenever we see an alligator, right? Uh, I'm in South Louisiana, so we have alligators. Whenever we see an alligator um, brutally kill its prey so that it can devour it, we rightly do not uh, condemn that alligator or that lion or that tiger or whatever else it might be. Whenever a uh, rock slide comes down a mountain and destroys a home or destroys vehicles, kills people, we rightly do not condemn that mountain as being morally evil or wrong because the natural world, whether it's the earth, whether it's animals, whether it's bats causing coronavirus, <laughs> these are not moral agents. They do not have moral agency. They do not have any sense of right and wrong. And so the idea of karma or of uh, or this revenge idea that we see in paganistic environmentalism does not work because the earth is not a moral agent. And so it does not follow that the earth could then uh, pass some sort of a judgment and exact revenge upon us for some sins against it. The second reason that this doesn't work is because Morality. So this is still an issue primarily why karma doesn't work. Um, because karma, as I said, is a moral system of cause and effect. But according to the pantheistic worldview, um, the transcendent divine is not personal. But morality requires personality, as Francis Schaeffer would have said. What that means is re morality requires a rational mind because it is necessary uh, for a rational mind to evaluate according to whatever transcendent morals there are, whether certain actions are right and wrong, how actions or beliefs or whatever else line up with those transcendent moral principles. Now, um, in, in pantheism, there might be uh, an idea that there is transcendent morality that human beings can, uh, can discern, but... There is no allowance in this worldview to say that an impersonal, um, uh, non-rationalistic, 
just transcendent force can uh, understand and execute some sort of a moral system, as is the case in the belief of karma. The third reason that this doesn't work is because against what these pantheistic worldviews say about suffering being illusion is that we know according to our experience that A, suffering is real, and B, suffering is indiscriminate. Suffering, pain, calamity, tragedy hits both the innocent and the guilty. It cannot be that karma is only judging the guilty. And it's somewhat of a non a falsifiable thesis to say that though they might, though a person might appear innocent, uh, according to our view, it's because of some sins that was uh, done by uh, their 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 person in a former lifetime. Um, suffering is indiscriminate. We know from our experience that it, it hits the innocent and the guilty, and we know that it is very much real, and so. If we are looking for a worldview that can provide us with not only an intellectually satisfying answer, but also an emotionally satisfying answer, the pantheistic New Age or paganistic or Eastern worldviews cannot do that. And in Christianity specifically, uh, the Christian scriptures outrightly reject the idea of karma. Just look at the book of Job. One of the things that Job's uh, pretty poor friends, <laughs> uh, one of the things that his friends told him was that all the suffering he was experiencing was because of some sort of a sin that he had done, right? This is sort of a karma-like uh, idea. And God in Job outrightly rejects that. We see Jesus himself rejecting this idea that calamities that people experience are directly tied to some sort of sin they did. In Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 5, he outrightly rejects this idea. Also in John chapter 9, uh, him and his disciples pass a man who is blind, and his disciples ask him, why is he blind? Is it because of his sins, or is it because of his parents' sins? And Jesus outrightly rejects the premise of that question. And so, the scripture, the Christian scripture, outrightly rejects the idea of karma. Now, let me move on to the non-theistic worldviews. Non-theistic worldviews are those which deny any transcendence at all, whether that is a personal God or an impersonal transcendent divine force or morality. Non-theistic or atheistic worldviews, we could say, um, this would also be relativistic, uh, but non-theistic, relativistic, atheistic worldviews deny any transcendence. Many people today assume that the only pathway to making sense of catastrophe and malevolence is to deny God and embrace atheism or some form of non-theism because they look around at a world and a universe that is hard, cold, unfeeling, and seemingly uncaring. And so the way that various non-theistic worldviews, whether it's an atheism, a just kind of postmodern relativism, is with a deterministic uh, outlook. Let me explain this to you in the words of one of the most famous atheists, Richard Dawkins. Dawkins wrote, In a universe of electrons and selfish genes, blind physical forces, and genetic replication, some people are going to get hurt, other people are going to get lucky. And you won't find any rhyme or reason in it, nor any justice. The universe that we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is, at bottom, no design, no purpose, no evil, 
no good, nothing but pitiless indifference. This is a great example of the atheistic view of the problem of evil in our world. What is the problem of evil? Well, the problem is that we live in a brutal, harsh world where there is no purpose, there's no morality, no such thing as good or bad. Let me give you a Christian response. Why this doesn't work for us. First of all, let me just ask, is atheism a reasonable response to outrage over COVID-19? If you find yourself um, in pain or suffering or outraged over witnessing the disease uh, wreak havoc in people's lives and families or in economies, in nations, in businesses, whatever else, if you're outraged over these things, is it responsible, is it, I'm sorry, is it reasonable to respond to that outrage with atheism? Because what atheism does, according to Dawkins' own words, is it obliterates the categories of right and wrong. Therefore, we are unable to say that the virus is truly bad because um, it's just molecules apart in, in, in the midst of the chaotic system rearranging themselves. Right? It's, it's a part of that, that harsh, indifferent, purposeless world that Dawkins described where there's no good and there's no bad. And so if you're outraged, how can you then turn to a system that uh, pulls the rug out from underneath you to be able to be outraged? The second response is this, is that whenever we respond in outrage or whenever we respond in pain to the suffering that we see in the world around us, what I want to put forward to you is that it reveals a presupposition that every human being has that good is something which is objectively real and independent of us. It is something which is transcendent. I don't think there's anyone who would hesitate to say that COVID-19, this coronavirus, and what is happening is bad. I don't think there's anyone who would deny that. But if there's no such thing as a transcendent morality, then that moral outrage or categorizing it as, as bad is absurd. It's something that we don't have the intellectual foundation to actually be able to do. Consider what Nietzsche said. Friedrich Nietzsche, um, the father of nihilism, of, of what we could call this idea of there being no transcendence, no morality. Nietzsche said, when one gives up Christian belief, one thereby deprives oneself of the right to Christian morality. Christian morality is a command. Its origin is transcendental. It possesses truth only if God is truth. It stands or falls with belief in God. Therefore, if you deny belief in God, if you deny transcendence, you then also lose that grounding for a transcendent morality and objective right and wrong upon which you can then be outraged over bad things happening or over catastrophes or over malevolence, whether it is tragedies in the natural world or malevolence at human hands, there is no ground to stand upon in an atheistic worldview to say that it is uh, objectively wrong or evil. Here's the last reason why atheism will not work. Because removing God from the picture leaves suffering untouched. If you are hurting and if you are trying to make sense of the suffering that we see in our world, just let me try to, to help you to see here that taking God out of the picture 
is not going to do anything to relieve your suffering. And it is truly not going to do anything to help you to, uh, to live better through pain because it does not, just removing God from the picture does not help us to make better sense of pain and suffering. And it does not help us to understand how to appropriately respond to it. Moreover, what removing God from the picture does is it only removes hope. Because without God, without that, that, that intellectual, emotional, and spiritual foundation for us to be able to understand and respond to suffering, all we have is a world that we are caught up in that is brutal, uncaring, and harsh. What I'm going to do in the next episode is I'm going to consider if we can actually reconcile the coronavirus with a loving God. Let me encourage you. If you have not watched the first episode yet, to go back and watch it. And if you are following on the series, to hang tight. Be looking out for the third episode that will be coming out where I'll deal with the the last issue in this series and this question. Uh, Check out our show notes for highlights and resources related to this episode. Uh, We always share some quotes and sources and then also some resources for you to go and dig into these topics further since I only have a certain amount of time to deal with it in these episodes. I want to thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. No matter where you're coming from and your reason for watching or listening, just thank you for giving us your time. If you enjoyed this, would you consider rating our show? Would you consider subscribing and especially sharing it with your friends so that it could help them as well? I just want to remind you that I'm Aaron Champ and you've been listening to Filter.